Last time that I checked, it was five chains on my neck. It was no smut on my rep. Last time that I checked, I was selling zones in the set. Make a quarter mil, no sweat. Last time that I checked, I'm the streets voice out west. Legendary self made progress. Last time that I checked, first you get the money, then respect. Then the power in the hoes come next. Last time that I checked, I've been self made from the dribble. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a coincidence that we're playing the late Nipsey Hustles last time that I checked. There's no, no coincidence. A lot of players got paid. A lot of players are going to get paid and have nice little de direct deposits into their accounts. Hold on, this is one of the best parts. Banged on the whole game, I ain't give a fuck. Nobody trippin' had no business, got my digits up. And when I drop, you know I'm about to flash time and I check, check. It was fine. Anyway. Justin Herbert got paid. Trevon Diggs. T-Buddy got paid. We'll talk about it. As well as all... As well as just the NFC as a division. Football is officially back. We'll talk about football. We'll talk about the NFC East. We'll talk, ladies and gentlemen, right here. 24's podcast. Sorry, Nipsey, I had to turn you down because you were getting a little bit too loud. Maybe it's both in this balance I deliver daily. For every nigga in these streets trying to feed the babies. Single mama's working hard not to miss a payment. And dirty money get washed on royalty statements. Black owners in this game are powerful races. Young niggas in the set just doing it makeshift. Out the garage, how you end up in charge. That's how you end up in penthouses, end up in cars. That's how you start off a curse, serve, end up a boss. That's how you win the whole thing and lift up a cigar with sweat dripping down your face. Cause the mission was Last time that I checked, check, check. it was five chains on my neck. It was no smut on my rep. Last time that I checked, I was selling zones in the Last time that I checked, Nipsey Hustle featuring YG. Oh gosh. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of things happening in the grand scheme of the NFL. Today I gotta take off my shirt. I was wearing an LA God damn, I'm hot. Wearing my let me put it back on. My no, I'm too hot. I was wearing my Letterman jacket. Today, or not my Letterman jacket, what is it? My LA Dodgers jacket. Dodgers are playing tonight. Dodgers are playing hell. They're playing right now. 3-1. They lost last night in extra innings. I stayed up until like 2.30 in the morning to watch the Dodgers lose to the Blue Jays off of a Jason Hayward. Just, just he missed this, this nice little just pop fly middle of right field. Just missed it. Had a man on third. He was trying to tag off. It didn't even matter. I mean, it didn't matter. It, it didn't matter if he caught it or not. The game was essentially over with. But they scored two runs on us, on the Dodgers. I'm a little bit annoyed. I'm a little bit annoyed. So. But uh, I'm watching it right now. I'm watching the game. I'm watching the Dodgers. They're... Down once again, 3-1. They gave up. I don't even know. Urias is pitching tonight. They started him. And goddamn, is he off to a terrible start. I mean, he's already given up like multiple hits. 
He's already given up a home run. I mean, ugh, gosh, man. It's just, it's tragic. I cannot wait for Clayton Kershaw to get back. Hold on, I gotta turn on the fan. I ran eight miles today for the first time ever, I think. Usually four, maybe six miles, stuff like that is like what I'm looking at. But today I was like, you know what? I've I've never ran eight miles. I'm like, let me let me kick it off. Let me get it started. Let me finish it. Let me finish what I've what I've set out to do and it's my first week running again after I fucked up my shoulders a couple of weeks ago. So you may ask why why do your shoulder why why is sho your shoulders important for running? It was like literally because I have this sway when I'm running. Like this is how I like I can't show you, but I like sway my arms, I sway my torso, right? And because I sway my torso, my arms, my shoulders, they sway with it. So literally every single step that I took when I was running I could feel like significant pain in my shoulders and it was just like, it was just unbearable. So I stopped running. I just didn't work out for a week. I'm back to working out. First day working out once again, eight miles, eight miles, no slack, no problem for yours truly 24. But I'm, I don't know why I'm so fucking hot and it's just. Like, I don't know, I, I don't know if it was that sometimes my body cools off. I'm not sure. I'm just, I mean, I'm fucking blazing right now. Jesus Christ. I don't know what's going on with me. We got some stuff to talk about. I mean, NFC East, huge, huge implications this year. Huge implications. I mean, let's start off with Justin Herbert, because Justin Herbert probably the more significant player than Trevon Diggs. Justin Herbert, Los Angeles Chargers football player, not even football player, that's not even the proper way to describe him. Quarterback. Plays the most important position in pro football. Plays the most important position on the team. Really is the most important player on the team. Potentially is going to be the best quarterback at his position for his respective team. And the LA Chargers. He's had a great first two seasons as I see. Coward! You want to walk, Freddie? You can't handle Freddie. Freddie Freeman already had a homer tonight. He walked him. He had the payoff. 3-2 was the count. He's like, uh-uh, I'll just walk him. We're just not even going to play this game anymore. So he's just like, instead of trying to, trying to get, just, and instead of trying to get him out, I'm just going to freaking throw outside. I'm not even going to play this game Fouled him twice. Freddie fouled twice. He's like, eh, I'll just take the foul, or I'll just take the ball, and I'll take my base. I want to take my base. I'll take my base. Going back to the Chargers. Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert got paid today. In a division where he has to go up against Patrick Mahomes twice a year, Justin has played really fantastic football for really his entire career. Shout out to him, by the way, especially because a lot of prognosticators had him going to the Patriots in the 20s, in the 2020 draft, I think that was when he was drafted. And I thought that that was absolutely and utterly ridiculous. I thought that he was one of the best quarterbacks in his respective draft class. I thought that he was easily a top 10 pick. 
And I remember Daniel Jeremiah was like, Jordan Love is better and Justin Herbert could go to the Patriots at 20. And I thought to myself, you are. And I said then, and I'll say it again now, I was like, you're out of your mind if you think Justin Herbert will fall to the Patriots. And lucky for the Chargers, he didn't. And lucky for the Chargers, they didn't go after Jordan Love and believe a lot of prognosticators who essentially said that Jordan Love was the next Patrick Mahomes. Can you believe that? Can you believe, well, he's going to prove it this year or he's not going to prove it, you know? It's like he's got his shot. He's got his opportunity. Aaron is gone. He could never beat him out when Aaron was there, so Aaron had to leave for him to get the job. I'm not a big Jordan Love fan. I don't know what he's capable of doing. I would hope that with all the raw talent that he has, and he does have a lot of raw talent, and with just the ability to actually learn behind Aaron, maybe not learn from Aaron, but learn behind him and see what's going on, he would be able to develop as a quarterback. But that's, I've seen a lot of strong arm quarterbacks that have zero touch with their mechanics uh, just flail and flame out in the NFL. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Love flames out in the NFL. But one guy that I was sure wouldn't was Justin Herbert. And to me, the Chargers have done a great job at surrounding Justin Herbert with a lot of supreme assets going out and getting multiple great offensive linemen or guys that could potentially be great offensive linemen, like Rashawn Slater, who's a top 10 tackle in the NFL, like Corey Lindsley, retaining Corey Lindsley, and getting Zion, Zion something, who's a guard out of Boston College, who is now a guard for the team, but he didn't really have like a great year last year, but he should be better this year. Having receivers like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and then going after Quentin Johnson, the thought was correct. Going after Quentin Johnson, getting, oh, this may be a triple. This may be a triple. Go, Freddie. It's a double. Trey Turner, or, yeah, Trey Turner, right? They're doing the Freddie Freeman dance. Bottom of the third, three runs to one. Blue Jays are up. Man on second, man on third. With Mike Muncy is coming up. He's on deck. What a wonderful, nice little inning the Dodgers are having. And Freddie Freeman and everybody's doing that Freddie Freeman dance. God, I love the Dodgers. I want to put back on my jacket, my Dodgers jacket. I always wear it. Even when the Dodgers aren't playing, I always wear it. But or Smith, it's not Trey Turner. It's it's Smith. Something I don't know. But I always wear it. But I'm a little bit too hot. I even took off my wavy, big ass Nirvana shirt. I'm like, I never take that shirt off. It has nice airflow. I'm just like, I'm I'm too fucking hot. Too fucking hot. Anyways, going back to Justin and the Chargers as a football team. My opinion, bad head coach. Potentially a great offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore, but it worries me. Who has it? Okay. I was like, they had a pop fly in, in, in the outfield, and I was like, there, everybody, every Blue Jay was waving it off, and I was like, who's going to have it? And the right outfielder came over. Trey, not Trey, Freddie tagged it off. Got a nice run. Three runs, two. One out, bottom of the third inning. We're cleaning up the Toronto Blue Jays after the despicable game last night. Sorry. <clears throat> Anyways, back to Chargers. 
Justin Herbert has had a lot of really, really great assets around him. Again, great offensive lines. Austin Eckler is a great running back. Uh, Quentin Johnson, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen is a good wide receiving core. I still don't like that they don't have officially a deep threat. Maybe it's Quentin Johnson. I don't like Mike Williams as it, but you can use Quentin Johnson as it for sure. Defensively, they, they're loaded. Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Derwin James, J.C. Jackson, and Asante Samuel Jr. to round out your secondary. You, you kind of need a linebacker, but not really. Uh, their inside defensive tackles are fine. You're fine with that. You can roll. You can win a lot of games with their, with their roster. Cracked. Is it foul? It's foul. Like he cracked it. Martinez just absolutely just freaking destroyed it. It was, it was foul. It was foul. Chargers have a loaded roster. I'm sorry for going back and forth between the Dodgers and the Chargers. Yeah, the Dodgers and the Chargers. Because it's mega confusing, but I just, I'm watching the game. I mean, it's great action. 1-2 is the count. Martinez is, is, is not even on deck. I mean, he's batting right now. One out. One man on second. I'm excited. Pitcher is shaking off one of the pitches. He's about to load up. Looking at Smith. Winds up. Outside, it's a ball, 74 miles, 2-2 is the count. I'm going back to the Chargers. So, Justin has a loaded football team. I really, really liked Kellen Moore. I like some of what Kellen Moore did. I liked a lot of what Kellen Moore did in Dallas. However, it is head-scratching to me that Mike McCarthy is, like, out immediately after they lose for the second year in a row. It's very, very weird for me. And if I'm honest with you, some of the things that Kellamore did in Dallas just, I feel like Dak Prescott kind of covered up. I feel like if Dak Prescott wasn't there, if Dak Prescott wasn't the quarterback, some of the things that Kellamore was running would not necessarily work as well as they probably would have if he had a different quarterback, let's say. And so I think it will be interesting to see Kellamore with Justin Herbert and the Chargers this year. And to see exactly what he can do with that football team and with that quarterback versus having, you know, a Dak Prescott or it versus, yeah, just versus having Dak Prescott in the offense for the Dallas Cowboys and what expectations they are going to put on Kellen uh, as the Chargers. It's, it's a really, really interesting phenomenon. It really is. This is like, I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. I don't know what their expectations are. But I would assume Kellen would probably probably be in a little bit of a jam here. Let me plug in my computer. Hold on. The contract itself is pretty much what I expected. A five-year extension. Really, I thought it was potentially going to be a four-year. But hey, five years, you're fine. You like that. Five-year extension, $262. The average is essentially... A little bit over 50 million per year, which is what I thought they were going to have to pay him, if I'm 100% honest with you. So, big, 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 big money. I think he gets like $100 million guaranteed in his contract. 
So you're in love with that contract if you're Justin Herbert. They get their best player, their most important player, locked down for the foreseeable future. The only question is, I have no doubt in my mind. Like, Let me look up uh, the Chargers' record last year because I think they may have either beaten the Chargers, not the Chargers, the Chiefs, or they were close to it last year. Let me look it up really fast here. I don't want ESPN. I don't want to look it up on ESPN. I want to go on Pro Football Reference and look up their <clears throat> their individual season here. I just have never used uh, Pro Football Reference for the Chargers. So Google and Pro Football Reference were like, you, you want to look up the Chargers on our website? Go right ahead. Anyways, I'm looking for the Chiefs. I think they have beaten the Chiefs. They have beaten the Chiefs, right? No, not this year. But it's always been close. It's always been. I I was like, they've beaten the Chiefs this year. Have they ever beaten the Chiefs? That was, I think they have, right? Let me go and let me look at 2021. They have beaten the Chiefs, right? Yeah, they, yeah, they did. They beat them in 2021. And the reason why I tried and somewhat failed to kind of illuminate uh, the fact that the Chargers have beaten the Chiefs is because I, I feel like if this was, if Justin was a different quarterback, like let's say, for example, if Justin Herbert was, hmm, who's like a quarterback, like Kirk Cousins, right? If Justin Herbert was Kirk Cousins, I would be like, the Chargers, the Chargers are, they're in a bit of trouble. I don't like Kirk Cousins. I don't think he can do with Patrick Mahomes consistently, da-da-da-da-da, right? Kirk Cousins can't do with Dak Prescott when he has the, the best wide receiver in the NFL and Justin Jefferson. Regardless, if the Chargers had an inferiorly talented quarterback going up against Patrick Mahomes, I would be concerned. With Justin, and even though they lost against the Chiefs, I feel like they have a better chance than most in that division to be able to outduel Patrick Mahomes. The problem is, is that their defense in the last two years has given up 30 points in one game, and then in this first game, the second game, they gave up 30. The first game, they gave up 27. The problem is, is that their defense can't fucking stop Patrick Mahomes to save their goddamn lives. And so, even with Justin being signed, I worry about the Chargers because their head coach is god-awful. And to me, this is the final year of Brandon Staley. If Brandon Staley and the Los Angeles Chargers, I mean, first and foremost, I feel like last year should have been the end of Brandon Staley. I feel like he should have been gone after last season. But this season especially, it's just like, dude, your division is kind of like, you have the best team roster-wise in your division. You know? You don't have Patrick, but you don't need Patrick. You have Justin. Justin's a top five, top ten guy at his position. You have, one, you have a better offensive line. You have a similar offensive line to Kansas City. You have a better wide receiving core than Kansas City. You have a better run game with Austin Eckler by himself than Kansas City. You have better talent at defense than Kansas City. 
What is the pro what is the problem? What is the issue? Kansas City just won a Super Bowl. You can't even get out of the first round of the playoffs. You choked like a three-score lead, man, against the Chargers. Not the Chargers, the Jags. Yeah, you gave up. And granted, their offense didn't do anything. So it's just like offense. You scored three points in one half after scoring 17. You know? It's like, what's going on there? But man, oh man. Your defense giving up 24 points in the second half is just abominable. That's why they lost the game. After, again, having like an almost, having, I think, an, like a 20-point lead. So, the major tell for the Chargers when it comes to success or not will be whether or not the defense actually holds its end of the bargain and can actually, and can actually, like, hold some people to, I mean, just not even hold some people, but actually, like, stop certain people or play at a, at a high level or whatever. Like, Dallas is such an interesting football team, and we'll get to them in a second with Trevon Diggs. Dallas is such an interesting football team because Dallas has a lot of talent, but they don't have as much talent as the Chargers. And Dallas has been number one in takeaways and top three to two, really, in sacks. And Dallas did something really, really interesting over the last six months in the draft uh, with, their, with their defense. So I'm very, very interested to see what Dallas has done. But Dallas has good players, and they have depth at the defensive line, and they just make it work. And the Chargers, it's like they have infinitely more talent than the Cowboys, and the Cowboys figure it out. They have better secondaries. They have better pass rush. And they also have, like, a bet. they get better play out of their linebackers. Like, Dallas, if you look at the rosters, piece by piece, you're like, oh, Chargers, 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 Chargers. And then the rankings are Dallas, 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 Dallas. Dallas is better when it comes to penalties. Dallas is better when it comes to turnovers. Dallas is better when it comes to run stuffing. Eh, maybe not. But sacks, quarterback pressures, et cetera, et cetera. Dallas is just infinitely better than the Chargers. And so I wonder what's going to happen next season with the Chargers. Will the Chargers go into next season and be like, look, uh, we don't want Brandon Staley to be our head coach, but we do like a defensive coordinator for the Chargers. So would the next just jump, would that be, hey, we're going to go after Dan Quinn? It's like, I don't know. I don't know. Kind of just depends on what they want. I hope not, because Dan Quinn is not a good head coach. He's a great assistant, terrible head coach. Uh, look at his record. I have to emphasize this like over and over and over again, because there are Cowboy fans that want Dan Quinn to be the Cowboys head coach. And I'm like, do you, do you understand that his record is pitiful as a head coach? Like he had, I think, two years, maybe three, where he went to the playoffs in like seven years as a head coach. Like he was terrible, 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 terrible as a head coach. He was there from 2015 to 2020, so about six years in Atlanta. And where is it? Where is it? Here we go. He had two winning seasons in Atlanta. The 2016 season where they went to the Super Bowl, 11 and 5. That next season, 10 and 6. Where they went to the playoffs, obviously, again. His first year, 8 and 8. Outside of those two wins, winning seasons, 11 and 5, 10 and 6, 7 and 9, 7 and 9, fired. 
in 2020. And by the way, that was after a historic, historically blown lead by the Atlanta Falcons where, I mean, Dak Prescott had thrown two, three interceptions. They were up by like two or three, maybe four scores. And it was the onside kick, the squib kick with Greg Zerline. Just an absolute horrendous performance by the Atlanta Falcons. Like a cataclysmic collapse by them. And he gets fired a couple weeks after that. Just so we're clear on how bad he is as a head coach, which he is, is that? Oh, sweet Jesus. I was about, hey, hey, ho, ho, ho. I mean, lucky, lucky ball by Urias. Deep, 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 close to being fair, close to being a 2-1 homer for the Blue Jays. I was like, oh, shit. This is, even the batter. Kierma had something, I don't know, he's one of the one of the batters for the Blue Jays. Even he was like, oh, it's gone. It's gone. And thank God it wasn't gone. I'm like, can we get Urias out of here as best as as quickly as humanly possible? Jesus H. Christ. Like, please get him out, Urias. Dear God. Anyways. Chargers, Justin Herbert, really interesting team. I'm not really sure what they're going to do this year. They're super enigmatic. And and for me, it's just the reason why I'm always like, I'm guessing what the Chargers are going to do is because I don't really know what their head coach is going to do. And so because of that, I look at the Chargers and I'm like, Chargers they have, they're kind of like, they're they're kind of a joker, you know? like a wild card. It's like they could once again go to the divisional round or excuse me, they could go to the wild card round of the playoffs and lose or really they could just not qualify for the playoffs this year and that would be a huge fucking upset. Or in reality, they could constantly challenge Kansas City, but their defense that's essentially filled with pro bowlers and all pro defensive players can't stop Kansas City without Tyreek Hill from scoring 30 points. It's like, how does this happen? Twice they lost against them. Twice it was not Justin Herbert's fault. So. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm scratching my head on this. Anyways. So I move on from... Justin Herbert. Let's talk about Saquon Barkley. Talked a little bit yesterday about the picket lines, the running back, phone call, Zoom call with all the backs. I think I talked a little bit about it. I I didn't really talk that much about it. I don't know if I'll talk more about it. I kind of wanted to focus on the NFC East and Dallas and the Eagles and all these other teams and things of that nature. But... Oh man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna talk about the running backs that much. Saquon Barkley crossed the picket line today, meaning that Saquon Barkley, after kind of questioning and looking at his options, has essentially come to a very rare agreement with 
the New York Giants. And I wasn't really surprised when Saquon Barkley crossed the picket line and was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get paid $11 million, even though he was looking for 16. I don't know why he signed this. I don't know why he isn't holding out for training camp. Is it to be a good teammate? I don't really understand the plan, the motto that Saquon is is living by right now. I I just I'm confused. I really don't really I don't know what to make of this deal. Besides, it was a huge mistake for Saquon Barkley. First and foremost, I mean he's gonna get fucking. He has to go to training camp. He's not holding out. He could have held out. You know, running backs are like, he was a huge proponent of like, I don't understand why I'm not getting paid. I've done my job. I've sacrificed my body for the team, blah, 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 blah. I'm doing this for all the running backs. And then he, a couple of days, literally it's Tuesday. So this was two days after the Zoom call with, as I check the tweet, with, Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Tony Pollard, Nick Chubb, Najee Harris, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, J.K. Dobbins. Really, the top talent at running back outside of Jonathan Taylor was essentially there, including Saquon Barkley, by the way. And two days after that little tete-a-tete, we have Saquon Barkley just signing a weird one-year deal that doesn't make him that, that doesn't make any sense apparently after the franchise tag after you sign or after you're tagged you can sign a short-term deal it's just that you can't sign a long-term deal so that's why Saquon got paid 11 million dollars I don't know why I think it was a stupid signing I think he literally just amplified the problem that he's trying to solve in the sense of the team really didn't have to do anything outside of just being like, yep, we're going to sign him. And uh, he's not really going to be able to do anything about it. And or we're going to do whatever we want to Saquon. And there's not really anything that you can do about it. And lo and behold, Saquon kind of proved that fact right. And so. I don't know. I don't want to hear Saquon Barkley talk about running backs being underpaid ever again. That's like one thing. It's just like if you're going to. I don't have any problem with them airing out their grievances, but if they're going to just, I mean, he's the first dude to fucking cross the picket line. Now it's just like, is Josh Jacobs going to do that? Is Josh Jacobs going to take the money? I don't know. It really weakens their stance when essentially one of the best running backs in the league is like, I'll take a really, really shitty contract. I think if he had signed his, his franchise tag, this is the weird, weird thing about Saquon Barkley. And th- this is why I say this whole thing is just unusual. Because he could have signed his franchise tag and essentially gotten the exact same amount of money. Except it's fully guaranteed, right? Because when you sign your tag, it's fully guaranteed money for a year. He could have done that. Instead... He goes out and he signs a weird-ass contract. And again, he could have reported to training camp or not whenever he wanted to because he's tagged. All he would have to do to be contractually obligated, he's not getting fined. If you're wondering why, it's just like, well, he would have been fined. It's just like, no, he's not. Because he has to sign the tag in order to get the fine, right? To get the money guaranteed. He would have had to sign it. 
Which is why, again, I'm just, I'm really confused over this entire situation. It makes absolutely, unequivocally, zero sense to what he wants to do, to what he wants the position to be valued at. I mean, really, he just showcased off how big of a joke his, uh, his, his resolve is. Or how lackluster of a resolve he has. He's like, yeah, I'll just take the shitty contract. It's just like, what? That's it? Just, you're just done? Just like two days after you had the meeting? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird today what happened with Saquon Barkley. So, when it is what it is. Anyways, final contract that we got to talk about here today, Saquon Barkley, not Saquon, Trevon Diggs getting paid. What was it? What was it? Like $97 million over five years? Excluding this year, by the way. Best cornerback in the NFL. I'm a little bit shocked that more people aren't like, oh my God, best corner in the league or one of the top corners in the league gets paid $97 million. Dallas Cowboys gets it done. Now, this is one of three contracts that has to get signed this offseason in order for Dallas to really just, for, for Dallas to essentially have a great offseason financially speaking. And so, Trevon Diggs is, I think his stock is going to rise because a lot of people see him as a cornerback that is outside of the top five. I saw the executive poll with players and mix and all this other crap. I don't, I didn't really care that much about it, but I saw it and I was like, they have Trevon Diggs as the eighth guy. Like what? Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Ever at times. What was his numbers against Jamar Chase last season? It was it was ridiculous. Like when you look at Trevon Diggs's production against other like top tier wide receivers, it's a bit of a shocker. Like he's one of the best lockdown cornerbacks in the NFL while also being one of the best just pure ball hawks in the NFL we have seen in a very long time. I mean, this Jamar Chase had one attempt for four yards against the Cowboys. Or excuse me, rushing attempts. He had nine targets, five receptions, 54 yards, zero touchdowns. Trevon locked his ass up. Put his ass in fucking... Hand clamps. Just like ridiculous stuff. Terry McLaurin. Six targets. Two receptions. 15 yards. He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Eagles. I'm scrolling. AJ Brown. Eight targets. Five receptions, 67 yards. It's like you like how many balls he caught. 
but he didn't. He had a touchdown. I, I remember that touchdown. He actually, Diggs gave that touchdown up. But he didn't have a 100-yard game. Devontae, he had five targets, five receptions, so you're, like, kind of fine with that. A tutty as well. But it's not like these guys are, like, the book on Trevon Diggs is, if Trevon Diggs is playing, he has a lot of risk to his game in the sense of he'll give up a bunch of yards, but there's a lot of reward in the sense of he'll give up a lot of intercept. He'll get a lot of interceptions, and that's just not true. I mean, Jamar Chase, Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, all didn't have 100-yard games on Trevon Diggs. There's very, very few guys, if any, that can say that about Trevon Diggs. But then when you look at the actual statistics, not even the actual statistics, but then when, when you add on, excuse me, the fact that Trevon Diggs also is an extraordinarily rare talent at turning the football over, I feel like that is... I feel like that is a, a, a gap that nobody really in the NFL can close. And the rhetoric surrounding Trevon Diggs is just abominable. The fact that people are like, we, we wouldn't take a guy who's essentially the best in the league at turning the football over at his position, who's also great at being able to lock down some of the best talent in the NFL as a corner. The fact that people are like, yeah, we won't take that guy. Is, is just ridiculous to me. It's ridiculous on so many different levels. And on top of that, it's just not true. It's just like if Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner, had Trevon Diggs' interceptions, people would be foaming at the mouth. Okay? Let's just have that conversation. They would be foaming at the mouth if Trevon Diggs, if Ahmad Gardner would have Trevon Diggs' numbers. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But Trevon Diggs gets $97 million. He's one of the highest paid corners in the NFL. He's young. He's signed for the next five years after this year. So they got him essentially on a six-year deal. They get to spread out his money, potentially. They will. And Dallas finally does something for the first time since 2019 when it comes to some of their contracts because essentially some of their guys like Zach Martin that they essentially gave like more money to and spread his money around same thing goes with Tyron they've had these real easy times with essentially reorganizing some of the money with some of their players and it's just like with Trevon Diggs they actually finally got a contract that was important, that was necessary for the fabric of the team, they got it done early. And so this offseason should be, so apparently the Joneses, they've essentially said, look, we're going to sign all of our players during training camp. Essentially the first really day of training camp kind of rolls around and comes around and Trevon Diggs is signed to a multi-million dollar deal. So... That's great. That's great. So. Trevon Diggs shouldn't be the only one that gets signed. It should also be Dak Prescott and also C.D. Lamb as well. So, but we'll see what happens. We'll see.
Oh, gosh. Anyways. I am watching some shit on Twitter. <laughs> oh, God. Let's talk about the NFCs, but first I gotta, like, do something really, really fast. So, I got to, um, I'll play some music really, really fast, and I'll come back in a couple of minutes. And I'll talk about the NFC East as kind of a hole in the NFL. I'll be back in a couple of minutes, 24 podcast. Hold on. I speak, my fucking headphones paired and then unpaired and then I've been pairing and unpairing and doing all this bullshit. So I got to like feed sound through a mixer and I got to do all this stuff. I apologize, but I'll, I'll be back in a couple of minutes, 24 podcast. Sorry about that. I'm back. 24's podcast. I'm back. Just had to literally do some laundry. <clears throat> so, anyways, we were having a discussion about the Dallas Cowboys. Trevon Diggs gets signed. Multi-million dollar deal. Great, great job by the Dallas Cowboys. Really the first time that the Dallas Cowboys have done something smart 
financially that I've seen. I've been bitching about this for years and how they should sign their players early so that way they don't have to have their players run out of money so that way they, can, they can't just, like, I don't know, uh, move some money around, which is what they already want to do, and or just not have to deal with huge signing bonuses or whatever the case may be. Just be smart with some of your finances, folks. It's just... Especially if you're a billionaire, you should be able to be quote-unquote intelligent with it, with your finances, but apparently even billionaires are dumbasses when it comes to money. But Trevon Diggs is a great signing. Now, again, Dallas has to get CD signed. They have to get Dak Prescott signed. But I like what Dallas has done over the course of this offseason. They've admitted some of their mistakes. They're like, oh, crap, we don't really have a deep threat outside of CD if we use CD, but then we don't really have an inside threat if CD's not there, and CD has essentially the majority of the yards on the team, so we kind of need to play him on the inside, so we have to play him on the inside, because we. but then we don't have any deep threat, but CD Lamb can be a deep threat. They finally acknowledged, okay, Amari Cooper wasn't really... Losing Amari wasn't really that great of an idea. Jalen Tolbert is a little bit underdeveloped. Michael Gallup, coming back from injury, we probably shouldn't have signed him to a multi-million dollar contract, but it was very appetizing because he was very, very cheap. With all that being said, they then just handshake all of that. They agree all of that was wrong, that they made mistakes, and they said, we're going to go after Brandon Cooks. So that way, Jalen, we don't rely on Jalen Tolbert and or the god-awful Noah Brown. In fact, they just went off of Noah Brown. Noah Brown isn't in Dallas anymore. And so now they have Brandon Cooks. They can move Jalen Tolbert around. They then went after Deuce Vaughn in free agency, or technically in the draft, I guess. They have Malik Davis. What is going on with Urias? Pitcher for the Dodgers just slipped, I guess, just randomly after having a payoff, too. I don't know what happened. Yeah, he just lost his balance as he was just throwing a pitch. I was just like, this has not been his night whatsoever. I mean, it's been... You want to talk about bad to worse? Jesus Christ. Had a payoff. 3-2 was the count. And he throws, a, he throws a ball. I don't know if he wanted the batter to chase it or not. But, I mean, Urias is just... Yikes, man. It's been a rough night for him. I know Clayton Kershaw wouldn't fucking... <laughs> I'm like, I know Clayton Kershaw wouldn't make some of these damn mistakes that Urias is making. <clears throat> going back to, sorry, going back to the Dallas Cowboys, right? I'm watching. This should be the end of the inning here. Jason Hayward should be able to get, get this pop fly, and he does. Okay, so, going back to Dallas. They address some needs with the offense. With the weapons, by adding Brandon Cooks, I think Brandon Cooks could potentially still have some juice left. I think he, I think he could still be an awesome deep threat for Dallas, which is something that they really haven't had in, uh, I mean, since they traded away Amari Cooper. So, in an, ironically enough, in a year, I guess. And that could obviously add some depth to their offense, as well as just Mike McCarthy being able to call plays. That's a very, very interesting kind of like situation that you're in because as much as, again, I liked Kellen Moore. I liked Kellen Moore a lot, but it's a head scratcher. It's like my, it's kind of like 
the Bill Belichick thing last year where he had two offensive coordinators and he fired any, yeah, he, he didn't fire both of them. He had two offensive coordinators last year. And I was like, Bill Belichick is either, but they were former head coaches. They were Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. And I said, Bill Belichick is going to look like a genius or he's going to look like an idiot. And it turns out that he looked like an idiot because neither one of them had any experience calling plays or designing plays on the offensive side of the football. So, but it's Bill Belichick, so he does a lot of unconventional things to begin with. Mike McCarthy firing his offensive coordinator who had a top two, three, four offense in the league, somewhere around there, after, I mean, another consecutive loss to the 49ers. You could maybe blame it on the loss to the 49ers, but I mean, hey, you know, it was... It's, it's still a really, really awesome offense that they had. The fact that he fired him after having one of the best offenses in the NFL, super unconventional, super weird. And so either he knows nothing, not nothing. He knows something that I don't know, or he is like Jon Snow and he knows nothing, and he just made a huge mistake. And I don't think there's really any leeway for that. He's either going to have, I mean, maybe it's like the leeway is, Maybe the in-between is, okay, the offense stays the same. The offense is still <clears throat> one of the best offenses in the NFL. And you haven't really gained anything, but you haven't really lost anything either. There is that option. A good question to ask is, do I think that that option is like viable? Do I think that that is a real option? I, I don't think so. I don't think they just stay the same with Mike McCarthy. I think they either got better or they got worse. And so in regards to that, we'll kind of see what happens with Mike McCarthy's play calling. But the interesting thing that I think Dallas did this offseason was Mozzie Smith. I think that's such an interesting acquisition. Mozzie Smith, the defensive tackle out of Michigan. The reason why I think Mozzie Smith is such an interesting player for the Dallas Cowboys is that their defense, as, as well as obviously the Dallas Cowboys getting Brandon Cooks as well, but, I, but the defense for the Cowboys had, and potentially still has, depending on how much Mozzie Smith can contribute to that, but the defense for the Cowboys essentially had one weakness, and that was their inability to be able to stop the run. And with Mozzie Smith being on the field, on the, you know, like on the defensive line for the Dallas Cowboys. Now it's like, and by the way, they're another issue for the Cowboys was just simply put, they didn't really have any presence. As I was watching. Damn, fast ending for the Dodgers. <clears throat> Offensively, not in Oh no. They only got two outs, not three, my bad. But Mozzie Smith adds some presence to the interior defensive line, hopefully consistently, like some consistent presence. I like Oso Adigizuwa. He's in his third year. He's probably the best three technique that the Cowboys have, but I don't think he's a great football player. I think, I, I, I think he's a good to great rotational player, but I don't think he's a great football player. I think he has the potential to be great, but I, again, he, he, he is not a great football player, and I don't even think it's close. And so adding Mozzie to help the interior defensive line with the running game, to help their linebackers, to help their front seven, really, 
continue to be awesome is really, really intriguing, especially in a division now where it's like the Eagles want to run the football, Washington wants to run to run the football, the Giants with Saquon obviously want to run the football and rely on Saquon for their success as a football team. Like acknowledging all of that, it seems as if Dallas, who has had a stranglehold over their division for the last almost decade with Dak Prescott, seems to have taken another step forward in adding to that stranglehold where the Giants haven't beaten them in almost a decade with when Dak Prescott is playing. Eagles really haven't beaten the Cowboys at all in the last three to four years when, once again, Dak Prescott is playing. And Washington has only beaten the Cowboys twice in the last eight years with or without Dak. So it's just, it, it's not a good record by their opponents over the last decade when Dak Prescott is playing. And by all accounts, unless something horrendous happens in the next couple of weeks, Dak Prescott will be opening week one against the team that he essentially hasn't lost to since 2016. So, I mean, we will see what happens there with the Cowboys and also the Giants week one. But when I look at the way that the NFC is lined up, right, the matchups for the NFC, not just the NFC, excuse me, but the NFC, when you think about the three teams, and we'll talk about the Eagles here in a second, when you think about, not even three teams, but when you think about teams that can contend for the Super Bowl in that division, you think about the 49ers who we'll talk about on Thursday. You think about the Eagles. Both of them went to the playoffs. Both of them went to the NFC Championship game. But both of them have obvious kind of, I don't want to say weaknesses or flaws, but drawbacks to them. In the sense of Eagles, right? The Eagles. They lost both of their offensive coordinators this past offseason. And with the Eagles having so much success and being such a successful football team, teams are going to study them to see not only what they can implement into their offenses and defenses, but also how to break down and how to attack the Eagles. One of the one of the ways that was so interesting that the Chiefs attacked the Eagles was I think by watching the Jags and how the Eagles handed off certain certain uh, motions, certain motions, and it was the jet motions, the the comeback jet motions, I forgot what they were called, that the Kansas City uh, Chiefs scored two touchdowns on. It was the touchdown to Kadarius Tony and the touchdown to Sky Moore where the Chiefs had understood that the Eagles would improperly hand off the responsibilities if you motion them one way and then you motion them back to the, toward the same direction. The Chiefs understood, oh my God, they don't properly hand it back because they saw Jags tape. And so they, of course, use that concept and abuse it in the Super Bowl. And so in that same vein, I think that the Eagles will be essentially dissected molecule by molecule offensively and defensively by the 31 other teams to try and find an edge against them, especially NFC teams that have to play them, including the Dallas Cowboys. And I think, I think the edge that they had last year will be lost in the sense of the advantage that they had with kind of being this team that nobody really, I didn't think they were going to go to the Super Bowl. I didn't think they were going to be that good. I didn't think they were going to be a, a deep playoff contender. 
But that surprise is now going to be gone, and teams are going to be trying to figure out how to counteract them. And also, they lost their two offensive... They, they lost their two coordinators as well. And so I think they'll take a setback. 49ers, looks like Brock Purdy is going to report today, so that question of who is going to be the quarterback is kind of done. But I think that it's going to be interesting how Brock Purdy plays football this year. And I said this... After he got hurt, and I've been saying it for the last couple of months, Brock Purdy being hurt this past season in the NFC Championship game is so interesting because he was 7-0. He was really, really awesome. But Brock, Brock statistically was essentially the best quarterback in the NFL. He was more efficient. He was more effective than Patrick Mahomes. It's like, do I think that he can do that for an entire season? Do I think that Brock Purdy is essentially a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely not. That's the point. I don't think Brock is going to be able to sustain that level of play for an entire season. And so he opens week one with the Steelers. Then it's like week two, three, four. Rams, Giants, Cardinals, and so it should be kind of like four wins there, three, maybe four wins there, and then he goes against the Cowboys in San Francisco, which I think is a very, very interesting game. I think that game, October 8th, will be kind of the bar, or not the bar, but I think that will be kind of the test that he really needs to pass. And I know that the 49ers have a great track record against the Cowboys in the playoffs, but still, it's like, to me, it's like he needs to prove it again in the, in the, against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Not in the playoffs, but in the regular season. And by the way, the game that he played up against the Cowboys was not like a great game, just so we're clear on that. So it's equally important for him to be able to win this game against the Cowboys in the regular season. In primetime, once again, in San Francisco. But with all that being said about the Eagles and the Niners, both of those football teams, to me, have very glaring issues and either stayed the same or, in some cases, got worse. And I think Dallas has only gotten better. Brandon Cooks, Mozzie Smith, and also I forgot about Stephon Gilmore while really keeping most of their core together and kind of like double downing and re-signing some of their best players, hopefully in the next couple of weeks to months. And... C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott. And so I think Dallas this year has the best chance of going to and or winning a Super Bowl coming out of the NFC. I don't really see any huge surprises coming out of any division. Maybe like Minnesota's defense is god awful and I don't think Kirk Cousins will just be able to turn it on. I don't think Seattle or Detroit, these two darlings that people think are just these great football teams in the shadows, I don't think they actually are. I think they're a little bit fool's gold. And nobody in the NFC, maybe outside of the Saints, is competitive, and even then the Saints have Derek Carr. So Dallas is in such an interesting position. As I am watching Urias just throw bad ball after bad ball, Damn near hitting. It's like he, Urias is, it looks like he just has completely and utterly lost all grip and control over the baseball. And he's just throwing these really, really, I mean, he's on his 95th count, 96 pitch 
of the evening. So, I mean, his arm is just getting worn out. Damn. I mean, his arm, I mean, he just, there's so many more pitches, so many more good pitches that he has in him. And, um, I mean, that's already including, by the way, just the fact that he's just not, I mean, he hasn't had a great night tonight. Back to the Cowboys. Cowboys' schedule this year is interesting because there are some difficult stretches. There are some hard stretches, but there's, it's manageable. Cowboys go up against Giants, Jets, Cardinals, Patriots. I mean, I talked about this with the 49ers. That's probably three wins. That's probably four wins. The Jets will be an interesting game because the Jets, that that may be the game where everybody's like, oh crap, the Jets are in a little bit of trouble because the Cowboys just beat them and smoked them and everybody thought that the Cowboys would get smoked by the Jets. That's an interesting game. The Jets versus the Cowboys. September 17th. Week two. Another interesting game, once again, is the 49ers on October 8th. That is an interesting game as well. Another huge challenge, huge test for the Dallas Cowboys. And then the next week, they go to Los Angeles where they will more likely than not have a... Let me burp really fast. Excuse me. Have a large contingent of Dallas Cowboy fans to go up against the Chargers. Fan base where it's pretty lackluster because, I mean, there aren't really a lot of... Charger fans in Los Angeles because there aren't Charger fans in Los Angeles. It's like they've never had a presence in Los Angeles. Los Angeles fans aren't going to switch sides, especially Dallas Cowboy fans that are that are living in Los Angeles. This isn't like the 1950s. People have other things to do than watch football all day, you know. But Chargers versus Cowboys after the 49ers will be a huge game. And then you got the Rams as well back in Dallas, and the Cowboys will probably win that game as well. Another huge test will be the Eagles on November 5th in Philly. It's going to be like a mid-afternoon game, and it's going to be mega important for the Cowboys because it's the Eagles and it's in Philly. It's primo, primo important that they win that game. Or that they're at least competitive. Giants, Panthers, Commanders, Seattle, probably three wins, maybe four wins there. And then December 10th in Dallas on prime time against the Eagles once again. And then they enter into this kind of like three week stretch where you're just like, wow, they couldn't have gotten three worse games in the Eagles in Dallas, the Bills, Cowboys at Bills. Cowboys at Dolphins, and you're like, holy crap, literally three of the best teams in the NFL, probably at that point in time, Miami probably is going to be a playoff contender, really probably will will be the team that represents their division in the playoffs, and you got the Eagles as well, it's just, it's not a good thing for the Dallas Cowboys, but after that, it's Detroit at Dallas, and then the Cowboys finishing the season with the Commanders, I think Dallas can win 12 games this year again. Their schedule is manageable. They have some really, really nice stretches of easy games. They have some difficult games as well. But Dallas is really one of the best teams in the NFL. And they have 
They have everything that they need. They play in an uberly weak conference. They have some of the best players in the NFL that just seem to be getting better and better and better. And they potentially added a strength to a weakness of theirs on the defense while adding a strength to a strength, you know, adding Brandon Cooks to their passing game, which is one of the best passing games in the NFL. As Urias probably gets his final strikeout of the day. Man on third, man on second. It's just like, oh, that's a great job by Urias. He's juiced up because he's had a shitty game. But he closes. He closes it out. Like the sixth, seventh inning. Anyways. Dallas, I think, will be a great football team. I think Dallas will be, once again, 12 wins. Maybe 13? I mean, I think minimally... If I'm being honest, like 10-11 wins, but I think Dallas is probably going to be like the over-under will be 12 games. I think they'll win 12 games this year. Next up, Eagles. The Eagles are such an interesting team because they have, they're very similar to Dallas. They have a bunch of great players. They have some really, really nice coaching. But the interesting thing about the Eagles, awesome quarterback, Jalen Hurts, awesome wide receivers. But again, the thing about the Eagles is just there's so many questions around that team at coaching staff, at offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, because again, they just lost both of them this offseason. They both had jobs. One is coaching in Indy. One is coaching in Carolina, not Carolina, Arizona. And then the thing that's just like really head scratching is Jalen Carter. He's like a really, really interesting figure for the Eagles. He's going to be their next Fletcher Cox. So essentially, they're going to have an awesome interior defensive presence for the next decade. For really, if he's awesome for the next decade and a half, maybe not decade and a half, but yeah, I would say decade. And so that pretty much makes the Eagles just have this offensive, or not offensive, awesome defensive tackle presence for them and really two presence if Jordan Davis you know develops into who everybody thinks he can be but the Eagles are just this really head-scratching football team where you're like Jordan Davis didn't really pan out the way that you thought he would Jalen Carter has been a little bit of a disaster off the field and also a lot of teams have kind of figured out the Eagles defense last year including the Cowboys you're top-tier divisional rival, and then the 49ers just will not shut up about how if Brock Purdy was healthy for that game, they would have won that game. And it's just like, okay, how much of the Eagles really are invulnerable to some of the things that I just mentioned? The Cowboys, the 49ers, how is Jalen? Like, it just feels like we're juggling a lot right now, and a lot has to go right for the Eagles to essentially be where they were last year to be essentially the best team in the NFC. It's like they're Jalen has Jalen hurts has to be awesome again and essentially has to have an MP an MVP level season again. AJ Brown has to be awesome again. Their running game has to be awesome. Their defense has to be awesome. And at times their defense got shredded by awesome quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers. I worry. I 
do not like James Bradbury at all. I think he is a drastically overrated corner. I think he got one Pro Bowl, and everybody has kind of been justifying his existence after that one Pro Bowl. They're like, look at how awesome he is. He's gotten this one Pro Bowl. He's a legit cornerback in the NFL. And I'm like, like, what are you guys talking about? No, he's not. He gets shredded by Dallas every single year. Before he got shredded by Dallas, he was getting shredded by the Commanders. No, if it wasn't the Commanders or Dallas, it was the Eagles at times. It was other teams. He was a, he was, yes, the number one cornerback for the Giants. But I don't think he was a very good corner. I don't think the Giants have a very good secondary. I don't think they had a very good secondary when, um, when he was on the team. So I worry about the Eagles. I worry about James Bradbury. And I worry... I worry that the Eagles... I worry if the Eagles can essentially replicate what they, what they replicated this year. That's kind of what I'm just kind of concerned about. Just like... I mean, every single team outside of the Chiefs has taken a step back every single year that they went to or won a Super Bowl, right? So, again, except for the Chiefs. So, Bengals-Rams, both of them didn't make it back to their respective conferences uh, to the Super Bowl, right? Rams didn't make it to the playoffs. Bengals lost in in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. The year before that, it was Tampa Bay and the Chiefs. Chiefs, again, are kind of the exception Tampa Bay didn't go back to the Super Bowl, right? Tom Brady just retired this past offseason. Year before that, it was the Chiefs and the Niners. Again, the Chiefs are the exception. Chiefs went to the Super um, went to the Super Bowl the next year after they won it against the 49ers. 49ers didn't make it to the uh, 49ers. I I think they went to no 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 they didn't even make it to the AFC to the NFC Championship game the following year. They made it to the Super Bowl. And then finally, going all the way back to, I think, 2018 with the Patriots and the Rams. Rams didn't make it back to the playoffs. Patriots didn't make it back to the playoffs either. The following year, of course. And so that's kind of my point, right? You have all of these teams that go to the playoffs, that go to the Super Bowl, that go to these championship games, and really don't return back to those games really don't do anything after they go because it's it's hard to consistently go to those games and to have success. And so when I think of the Eagles going back to the Super Bowl and really the NFC Championship game, I mean, it's going to be really, really, really difficult. Really difficult. And I, I, don't, I don't know if they'll be able to do it. I'm not sure. I'll kind of make the final two the quickest because it's the Giants and the Commanders. And I'll kind of lump them both together because they're kind of just... I mean, the Eagles and the Cowboys can make it to the Super Bowl. The Giants can probably make it to the playoffs. But I just... I wouldn't necessarily clap it up if they do. I mean, they have Saquon Barkley, so the reason why they made it to the playoffs this past season is back once again. But I I just... I don't trust Daniel Jones whatsoever... And I'm not really going to put 
any credence on that last season of Daniel Jones essentially be getting carried by Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley will be the interesting kind of wild factor for the Giants, but also Andrew Thomas as well. Or Evan Neal, my bad, Evan Neal. Evan Neal, the former Alabama Crimson Tide, Roll Tide, hold on. I'm watching MLB right now. They, they just zoomed in on Clayton Kershaw. It's like, what's going on with my pitcher? Hold on. Hold on. So, Clayton Kershaw potentially back in early August, which, I mean, everybody everybody knew. I knew he was going to be back early August. I mean, come on, baby. Come on. I don't think Clayton Kershaw is going to be back early August. Come on now. But, yes, I, I knew Clayton Kershaw. I was hoping that he was going to be back early August, and it seems like he will be. It seems like Clayton Kershaw will 1,000% be back in early August. Thank Oh, thank God. Thank God. Sorry. Going back to, what was I talking about? Giants versus Commanders, right? Washington, or not Washington, Giants. Giants have, hold on, let me, where is it? Giants, they have Saquon. To me, look, to me, the Giants the interesting thing about them is Evan Neal, left tackle, right tackle. I don't remember what he plays. The former Alabama Crimson Tide, just awesome tackle. It's just, he was god-awful last year. It's kind of like he forgot how to play football. It was embarrassing. I had vouched for him so unbelievably hard, only for him to completely and utterly wet the bed. It was by all accounts, a horrendous season for him. But he does have another shot. He does have another chance to kind of like redeem himself because he is he is a first-round draft pick, so of course he has a lot of time and a lot of patience for him to get better. But... Outside of Evan Neal, I mean, they have some really, really interesting pass rushers. They have Aziz Ojolari. They have Kayvon Thibodeau, which I think they're both good players, but I think they're both not at the level where I would consider them great or top tier. The Giants secondary needs a lot of work, and I'm not that high on Brian Dable. I get it. He helped out the, not the Eagles, but the Giants to go to the playoffs, but I'm just... I mean, I'm mega skeptical on this. I just, I need to see more from Brian Dable, which I know everybody's like, I don't understand. He just took the Giants to the playoffs for the first time in like six years. It's just like, yeah, I need to see more. The Giants have not been very good for the past six years. As I saw the Dodgers score and I was just like, I, I just got to fast forward. Just so annoyed with the way that the Dodgers are playing right now. 
They're about to drop two games. Two games to them? To the, uh, to the Blue Jays? I don't know. Washington Commanders. The Commanders are in this horrendous spot where a lot of very important things have got to get done very soon. Chase Young, either he needs to be traded or he needs to be signed to a, con- to a long-term contract. They have got to figure this thing out very soon. There are some teams that are showing interest in him. And the reason why it's just so important for them to just figure this out is because like, he doesn't have a fifth-year option. Because Tweedledee and Tweedledum and Ron Rivera and Jason McIntyre, Jason Lichty or whatever his name is, the GM, were like, hey, we're not going to weigh the fifth-year option of our top-tier pass rusher. Which just just doesn't make any sense. It's just like everybody weighs the fifth-year option of every single one of their players. It gives you another year to tack on for free. It's like, I just... I, how they do business is some of the dumbest things I've... Is like some of the dumbest procedures I've ever seen in my entire life. Nobody likes the team name. They have a really, really nice roster of players. Terry McLaurin, Deami Brown, Jahan Dotson. They have some nice players. They just released a couple of days ago their former all-pro tackle, or excuse me, guard. So we'll see what happens there. I don't like their secondary. They just drafted Emmanuel Forbes, which I thought was a little bit of a reach, but everybody likes that pick. I, I'm going to hold fast on it, on, on him just yet. But a lot of their decisions that they have made over the last couple of years are just, or really not even, I mean, we don't even have to go with years, months are just head scratchers it's just are you guys trying to lose football games are you guys just do it like literally it's just been i've thought to myself i'm like they are they literally cannot make worse decisions they could literally i like i thought to myself what would be the worst decision in the chase young kind of like uh just timeline right the first thing to not do is not weigh his fifth-year option. And then if you're not going to weigh his fifth-year option, the worst thing for you to do is to not trade him. Very weird what they do. So I'm a bit shocked with the way that the Washington Commanders just run their, their company. And in all honesty, I'm... God, man, I'm, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I would not be surprised if we just see them just cut the cord with Ron Rivera and whoever their GM is because it's just like Jesus H. Christ, they're just not very good. Not very good at all. So, anyways, I'm peacing out for tonight. I'll see you not tomorrow, not Wednesday, because I'm for the final, for the first time in a long ass time, I'm on schedule. I will see you on Thursday where we'll talk about more divisions. 24th podcast.